When I say can you dig it, put your two hands up like that. Everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Can You Dig It, a podcast by SilverScreenAndRoll.com. I am Christian Rivas, joined by Jacob Rude on the heels of another Lakers loss, this time at the hands of the New Orleans Pelicans, 123-95 to at home. Bad, bad, bad vibes. But we're going to try to uh, raise those vibes, at least initially on today's pod, by asking Jacob. How are you doing today, my friend? Uh, before that Lakers game, it was a good day. Uh, actually, no, it's still a good day. I've long decided that this Lakers team is not going to impact my mood at all. They've been bad for a long time. Like I, I'm earnestly not down at all. Like I, I've just accepted that this team is bad. Um, so yeah, it was a good day. The Lakers existed for like two hours and looked as bad as they have all season. And um, I think now where everybody is realizing that this team just kind of sucks and very well might not make the playing game. Yeah, it's we're getting to like the scary point of the season um, where it really is the worst case scenario when talking about this Lakers season because in order for any of this to work in order for Russ LeBron and AD to work it had to be Anthony Davis playing like 35 minutes per game 82 games in the season and obviously we're at the point where there aren't very many games left in the season. I'm going to try to get the exact uh, number. I think it's 22. 22, yeah. 22 games left in the season. Uh, AD is going to be out for at least four weeks. And uh, without I think AD... He, I would be surprised if he came back. Yeah. Well, okay. I don't know if I'd go that far yet. Like, I think the reason it was reported that he'll be out... F- four to five weeks is because he's going to be reevaluated in four weeks. And after that, he'll probably be out a week thereafter. Like, I think that's because the initial report was, he's going to be out or be reevaluated in four weeks. This latest report was that he'll be out for at least four to five weeks. Again, would I be surprised if it's a little longer than that? No, especially if things continue the way they are. Uh, But the point is, the Lakers aren't going to be a good team when, while Anthony Davis is out, and they're not going to be a very good team when he returns. The only difference is you'll be able to lean on just the pure talent of LeBron James and Anthony Davis when the play-in game rolls around. However, which I feel like has been my favorite word on this podcast lately, um, (laughs) You have that eight and nine matchup with the Clippers and that game. I think the Lakers probably hold on to the ninth seed. We'll see. Um, But if you get that eight and nine Clippers matchup, the way the playing game works is Clippers only need to win one of those games. Like the Lakers can win the first game uh, and lose the second game. 
series would technically be tied at 1-1, but the Clippers move on. That is horrifying. You never want your season to come down to just one game. I don't think the Lakers want to be in that position, but that's the position they'll ultimately be in when the season ends. Uh, And for that reason, I think results like today absolutely matters because it just solidifies what we already know, which is this team sucks. And (laughs) there's not a whole lot that, uh, that we can do about it. I mean, of course we can't do anything about it. There's nothing the Lakers can do about it. Like short of, I don't know, magically healing 80s. Uh, what is it? His ankle, his foot. Yeah, it is a uh, foot spring. What I think is the wording, wherever your mid foot it's, is. It's just, it's all bad. And there's no reason to believe uh, it's, it's going to get better. And that's kind of like, the premise of today's show, if you want to take it from there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, specifically to Sunday, that was, yeah, that I, the Lakers probably, hopefully, aren't going to look as bad as they did anymore on Sunday. But, I mean, I, I think it's kind of illuminating, maybe, to where the Lakers are right now. Um, there was a point. I'm not entirely sure, at least a month ago, where I took stock of where the Lakers were in the play-in, what their schedule looked like, and how this was all going to look. And when I say I long decided this team wasn't going to impact my mood, it was around then because I realized this is going to get really ugly. Now, I expected this Pelicans game to be one of the games you couldn't win. Yeah. Uh, But... Russell Westbrook after the game was pretty honest and said that he thinks the scouting report right now is just play harder than the Lakers because I, I mean, the Pelicans have been playing well, they've been playing really well offensively, but how much of their success tonight was just playing harder and diving, not even diving, but hustling into passing lanes, forcing some of those turnovers and getting out and going, and I I don't disagree. I think this team, this looked like a team that had, that had given up on the season. And again, afterwards, I illuminating is a word I keep uh, going to, but Dwight Howard has been consistently like the most honest Laker when he comes to the podium, like he's just going to tell kind of tell it how it is when they were, when the Lakers were throttled in Denver earlier this season, he came to the podium and just kind of ripped into the Lakers. And I thought that was a kind of fascinating insight or look into where the Lakers were. The same thing happened on Sunday, but, he came to the podium and just didn't have answers. He, the, the two phrases he kept saying is I'm at a loss for words and we have to stay positive. And there were a couple of things. He, he shot down any chance of like making an excuse about the Lakers, um, like physically not being there and able to play hard enough. He shot that down. 
Um, and he said, like, this is an effort thing. And the Lakers, that's been a problem with them all year. He said, I've said it multiple times this year. It's an effort thing. But he barely said more than that and just kept reiterating. I'm at a loss for words. Um and we have to stay positive to the point that he apologized after the press conference was over because he doesn't have answers right now. And I think that is a enlightening look at kind of where the Lakers are right now because um, this feels like a low point. It, it's felt like a low point multiple times this season. Um, I'm sure they could still probably go lower, but this is this is bad. This is a really bad loss. and. Um, just the way they went about it, like LeBron admitted he played pretty bad. He had some bad turnovers. Uh, he had seven, but I mean, he still had 32.6 rebounds and three assists, a couple steals, couple blocks. Um, outside of that, like no other Laker really showed up. Russ had seven turnovers to one assist. Melo tried to get it going in the second quarter there, but like, Everybody was just bad tonight, and <laughs> I don't really know. it. I can't blame the team for kind of quitting on the season when it's pretty clear the front office quit on this season whenever the trade deadline was two weeks ago. I can't remember exactly when it was, so I can't fault these guys, but when you do it on a nationally televised game like that, um, it's – enlightening or, or whatever word you want to use, but it's damning if nothing else. I honestly can't even think of a time in LeBron James career. Certainly not recently outside. Uh, let, let, let me get to my point. <laughs> I can't remember a time in LeBron James career where it's kind of, like a guarantee he's not going to make the finals or let alone the playoffs. Like, yeah, at least last season you could talk yourself into, well, LeBron and AD are going to be healthy out of the end of the season. And before LeBron and AD got hurt, the Lakers were playing really, really good basketball. This is a team that won a championship the year before. And most of the pieces are still around. Like we've got a real shot at this seating doesn't matter, which we heard a lot from the Lakers last season, 20, 2019, 20 season finished the number one seed in the Western conference, 2020, 21 season finished obviously in that play in game against the warriors and matched up with, with the Suns in the first round. And all we heard last season was, well, as long as we're at full strength, as long as we're healthy, it doesn't matter where we are in terms of seeding. Cause we can compete with any team in the league. Nobody believes that this year. And more than that, the Lakers are in such a worse opposition than they were at this point last season that you can't even definitively say outside of, you know, non-competitive reasons uh, that LeBron James will play this like this season. I don't think LeBron James will shut it down because, again, he has a scoring record that he's looking to catch. And, you know, I don't fault him for for that at all like at the by the time he hangs it up who knows how long it will have been since he played for the lakers and he already won a championship for us like that's fine it, it's just 
you know, not knowing that one LeBron will play out the remainder of their season or, and I think this is more relevant. It, it is this a team that LeBron thinks is worth flipping that switch for? Like, does LeBron want to go all in play 40 minutes per game, jeopardize injury to get the Lakers to the playing game where they might not have Anthony Davis of full strength. And even if they do have him, like we've seen what this team is at almost full strength. That's, that's the craziest thing to me when I look at this team is that this outside of LeBron James first season with the Lakers is the first time I've watched a LeBron James team and thought to myself, I know how this ends, which is nuts. Absolutely nuts. Yeah, I hadn't thought of it like that. I would say maybe his last year in Cleveland, like the midway point of that season before they just did a a slew of trades. Right. And that's that's the thing. It's like they did something. And that, that was like... Whether or not it was rational, like hope, optimism after that trade deadline, you were like, okay, well, at least they did something and we can say what we had before is not what we have now. I, really quick, I was talking to uh, our mutual friend today and he asked me, is it hard to talk about this specific Lakers team? I said, from an an emotional standpoint, no. From the standpoint of the problems that existed when the season started are the same problems that they have now. A flawed roster, injury problems. Yes, it is getting increasingly hard to talk about them because nothing has changed from the start of the season. It doesn't feel like the Lakers are any better. And they're certainly not, you know, much healthier than they were at the start of the season. Yeah, I mean, I I had that same thought today. Um, We have to write about this team a lot during each week, and you're almost kind of running out of ideas. Like, earlier in the season, I would do different types of kind of film room pieces, and, oh, this Malik Monk-LeBron two-man game's cool and stuff like that. But, like, we kind of have figured out everything with this team and they've done nothing new. Um, it still kind of baffles my mind that there's just nothing that they're going to do. Uh, I wrote the piece on Sunday that Lakers aren't linked to anybody in the buyout market because there basically isn't a buyout market, um, which outside of Tristan Thompson and Goran Dragic kind of really early on, I'm not sure Thomas Sadoransky was bought out, but that isn't changing anything for the Lakers. And like, that's kind of been it. Um, But the Lakers had to have known that when they stood pat at the deadline. So, I mean, it's wild that, I mean, right now, as we talk Sunday night, um, this is what this Lakers team is going to be for, the whole season like is that really what we're about to do here um i i would say that when he was in cleveland they changed things up mid-season because there was the threat of him leaving 
he was always signing those one and ones and he didn't do that in LA. And that was maybe a, a risk he was willing to take with Rob Polinka and this Lakers front office. Um, there isn't that same kind of imminent pressure that uh, they have to do something or LeBron will leave this season. It's going to exist next season unless he signs at least this offseason it'll exist. Um, but it it's wild to me that, I mean, you can look at the team tonight and they all the problems are all the same. Dwight and DeAndre cannot play. DeAndre just cannot play. <laughs> like Dwight, I think, is good for about 15 minutes a night, max probably, but he had to play 22 tonight. Um, you have a lot of old guys that just aren't willing to do the dirty work. And I say that as a quote that David Fisdale said when he was coaching in December, that they don't have guys who will do the dirty work and they've not changed anything in terms of like veterans doing that dirty work or bringing in somebody that would. And uh, I mean, they don't have enough wing players like Trevor Reza can still barely play. Uh, he played 11 minutes and had three points. Um, they rely a ton on young guys and mellow and that's about all they can do. And I looked it up during the game. Uh, LeBron and Russ, since New Year's Eve, LeBron and Russ are one, two in minutes. And then it's Malik, Austin Reeves, and Taylor Horton Tucker. Like, they, that's, that's like it. And it, it's wild that, I mean, I keep saying it, it's just wild that they're going to do nothing. Um, you can call it wasting a year of LeBron. Uh, maybe they would have felt differently if they had a larger sample size of LeBron, AD, and uh, Russ and uh, had a better idea of what this team was. They are never going to get that. Um, and I don't know. It, this is just it, – it feels weird that uh, they're ultimately just going to ride it out with this roster, presumably, even if they – change anything at this point it's very minor things that like i don't even know if you can really have much of an impact uh with the moves that they're gonna make so i mean i don't know there there's still some i don't know why stanley only played 12 minutes i know he's kind of cooled off a lot since he his play in december and january um i would always prefer him over DeAndre, but I know that the Pelicans had Jonas Valanciunas and Jackson Hayes, and that was never going to work with Stanley. It, part of it was a matchup thing. I'll go down with the ship just being baffled that Kent Bazemore didn't work this season. And yeah, I'll man. still believe, I'll still believe he could do something, even though all evidence suggests he won't. So I don't know this, this is a confounding team. Um, Hopefully, I guess at this point, what you do is take lessons from it. You cannot possibly sign this many veterans again. Uh, you have to blend in kind of young guys and veterans and just kind of that middle ground because we either have like Austin Reeves, Taylor Horton Tucker, and Malik Monk or Carmelo, DeAndre, Dwight, 
Kent Bazemore, Wayne Ellington. Like there's like no middle ground. Those are like 27, 28, 29 year old guys who have been around a while, know what it takes and are able to do it. And you're just kind of on either end of the spectrum here. And it's just a, a weird team, a weird season. And I don't know, Sunday felt like, like the public breaking point of this team. Like this is a very bad team that now is going to have a real fight, I think, to stay in the playing game. You know, this feels like, it feels like uh, that movie Don't Look Up where it's like, <laughs> yeah, we know that <laughs> the end of the world is coming and nobody's doing anything about it. It's like, just, just what, what, what is anybody doing? Like, why doesn't anybody like the people that should care just don't care. And, uh, you know, thankfully this season will end and we'll all, you know, hopefully fingers crossed to <laughs> still be alive. Um, uh, but I'm Jennifer Lawrence in this comparison. Yeah, I was I was gonna give it to you, uh, because I know how much that would mean to you. But uh yeah. thank you for getting ahead uh <laughs> on me for that. Um I I just wanted to make sure it was clear who I was in this scenario. I that's don't a, anybody very... that's, that knows you knows that there was no question <laughs> <laughs> who you're gonna be. It's a it's a very apt comparison because it's been everybody yelling at I mean, at the sky, basically, as it was in that movie, that this isn't going to work. And by the time they realized it wasn't going to work, it was too late, I guess. I don't I don't even know. I don't. But yeah, it's a it's a it's an apt comparison because it's frustrating that just nothing happened. We knew what the faults were. And like, I think back to all the the podcast we did, the podcast I listened to where it was like, this team just needs, you know, one of the, like one wing or one, one center, or one of this or one of that. And they'll take some big steps forward. And as we talk, the, the buyout deadlines, 24 to 48 hours, depending on when you're listening to this and they still need that center. They still need that wing. They still need that, whatever. It's bizarre, man. Oh Lord! Uh, oh my God! I didn't even realize. I mean, I should have known 1st, this. March first is on 1st. Tuesday because yeah. February has twenty eight days. <laughs> oh Lord! Oh, here I was thinking like middle of the week, and I was like, Jacob, I don't think, I don't think you have your days right, pal. But it is me. I I don't understand the month of February and why it is. Um, <laughs> We've talked a lot, especially last week, uh, about why the offseason promises to be better for the Lakers, um, assuming they don't make any like rash decisions and trade LeBron and AD. Like, more than anything, I think the misstep the Lakers made, which I understand why they did, because firing a championship level head coach shortly after acquiring Russell Westbrook wouldn't have been a move anyone would have taken well. Even Frank Vogel's harshest critics, I don't know how you could digest a move like that. Like 
a year removed from from what he was able to do in 2020. However, I do think a, a, a big issue with this season has been a lack of synergy between the head coach that they have and, and the roster that they built. And if you're to look at one thing the Lakers can do to maybe save their season, and I say maybe because, God damn it, I don't know who you could bring in that could fix this with, with the talent or lack thereof on this roster. Uh, Mike D'Antoni is a name I brought up in conversation. And let me tell you, this team at full strength with Mike D'Antoni would be a top three seed in the Western Conference. I have like no doubt. I don't know if that's going to get me uh, canceled from, from Lakers fans who still have all those hard feelings, but towards uh, Mike D'Antoni from the, uh, you know, early 2010s. But listen, hear me out. <laughs> He's not coming back. That's uh, that's the good news for you guys. But man, and then you'd have Mike and Dwight back in the same locker room and him, LeBron and Dwight can recreate that picture of uh, him, Dwight and Kobe. It, it would be magical, but that that's not the point. My point in me is, saying that is, we're now 22 games left in the season. It is clear that Frank is not the guy that's going to pivot from his style to make this roster work. Maybe because he is also the understanding that there's not a whole lot he can do with this roster to, uh, you know, get the most out of him. But I do think as somebody who has been an advocate ad- advocate for Frank Vogel since the start of the season, I just think it would be best for both parties uh, to go their separate ways as soon as possible. And by as soon as possible, I mean like Monday morning, if there was a report that the Lakers fired Frank Vogel, I think there would be a renewed energy around this team because as you said, they will have, they would have done something and maybe Frank's not the person with the most blame to bear but we are i think we're at the point where it's like okay you you've probably coached yourself out of this job i think you will be a coach in the nba uh probably for a little while longer if the lakers let him go it's a shame that bud uh in the bucks won last season because i think frank would be the perfect coach for the milwaukee bucks um but yeah man I it took a while for me to get here, but I think I am at the uh fire Frank and see what happens uh portion of the season. Um I would say the argument I would make for it, I mean ultimately I am not going to join you on that on that part of the season, but um I will say that. If you're going to do it, which I think the Lakers will, um, I don't know. I mean, there's not a good argument to wait. Um, and if you do it now, I'm Phil Handy will be the interim head coach. You at least get 20-some-odd games to see what Phil Handy can do. Um, it's something to work with. 
I don't know that anything's going to give them a renewed injury energy Freudian slip uh, a renewed energy uh, this season. So at least you get a sample size. I, at this point as well, I would be calling up G league guys or something to that as much as anything might add a spark mm-hmm. Mason Jones, get him in here for Wayne Ellington, Shondi Brown, get him in here for Kent Bazemore. Um, Jay Huff has been around for a while. He can't be worse than Dwight. Try it. Um, so there, I mean, I do something like it's like poking, uh, poking it with a stick and just do something like you're watching this team just after Sunday, just like limping to the finish line would be an understatement. They're like being dragged to the finish line. Like, I just don't know how you can conceivably sit and watch this and do nothing like, Hell, I don't even care. Give Mac McClung. I don't think he's an NBA like <laughs> guard, but like he'll do something. He'll run around and provide some energy. And like we've seen how much difference it makes when the Lakers just run. Like when you have LeBron and Russ and guys who are just gonna run, like um it makes a massive difference. So like I would just as soon give um give them or have them like sign some of these G league guys than any of the free agents or potential buyout guys. Cause there's really nobody left. It doesn't sound Harry like Parker Gary doesn't Harry. move the needle for you. No, uh, it, the Lakers, I think had been interested in him for too many years, but um, yeah, Gary Harris isn't being bought out. It doesn't sound like Robin Lopez is either. So um, why? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree with you, but try something, do something. I, whether, I mean, I still don't, I don't know that I'm ever going to get on the Frank fire Frank Vogel train. I don't know. Maybe that's a character flaw in me because I was the same way with Luke Walton. I was like, I think I tweeted like the Lakers are going to regret firing Luke Walton. I mean, maybe I was wrong, but I, I don't know. I, I never, I never scapegoat coaches. Um, especially in this scenario where it's very clear that the Lakers front office, as you said, and the head coach had zero synergy when they put this roster together. So um, I don't know. I don't know what the Lakers are going to do. Ultimately, I would be surprised if they did anything. They're probably going to play out these final 22 games as is. Uh, And the problem with that is LeBron has to go like supernova just for you to be competitive they're going to play to the level of their competition night to night we know that as well so they may get up for this Mavericks game uh they have the Warriors on the weekend they may get up for some of these games they might be competitive but it means that on nights when they have a game against the Pelicans or whoever it is the Timberwolves that they go into it thinking ah well this is a team we should be when that team works harder than them, they're going to get their ass kicked. So, I mean, that's just kind of what this Lakers team is going to be moving forward. Um, and even signing G League guys or firing the coach probably isn't going to change that mentality of this team for the final 20-some-odd games of the year. That's why 
they have not done anything. Like all the points we just made uh, have like pretty large qualifiers or question marks next to them when it comes to like, if the Lakers fire Frank Vogel, maybe something will change. If the Lakers wave DeAndre Jordan and Kent Bazemore or Wayne Ellington and bring in G League guys or, you know, somebody that's looking for another chance in the NBA like James Ennis or Jabari Parker, like maybe something happens. But those are all maybes. And I think the most likely scenario in either of those outcomes is nothing changes because this team just sucks. And the things (laughs) that you're supposed to sort out so your team doesn't suck, you miss those deadlines. We're like almost a a month removed from them now, at least the trade deadline. Uh, And so the logic isn't hard to follow when it comes to why the Lakers haven't done anything. It's just, uh, I guess, getting a little harder to stomach as the losses keep piling up because you want them to do something, but there's nowhere for them to turn in this corner that they're backed into. Uh, God damn it. I guess that's that's it. That is all I have. Well, I was going to (laughs) say, I said, I would say half joking. I don't even know how much I was joking kind of want this Lakers team to miss the playing game because that's less games I have to cover of them. <laughs> They're just not a fun team to watch. Even as much as I've re- removed like attachment to this team or whatnot, it's just not fun basketball to watch. Like it's fun to watch LeBron. I love that. And I always enjoy that. But like outside of that, it is just not fun to watch. So um I don't even know what I want. I don't even know if I want the Lakers in the playing game at this point. We'll know if this is the sacred timeline. If uh, the Lakers don't make the play-in, and if they do make the play-in, win the play-in, and win a playoff series just to give you enough hope that they might actually turn the season around, then we are not in the sacred timeline. Because that is just... A, a long way to get to where we know this is all headed this summer, which again, if, if Hey, if you want to end this podcast on a high note, I will say the same thing that I said to a few thousand listeners in some random Twitter spaces on a Sunday night, the Lakers will have Russell Westbrook, Taylor Horton Tucker and two first round picks to work with this summer to try and make this LeBron and AD thing work at least one more time because, and this is important to remember the Lakers mortgaged their entire future for this LeBron and AD core. And it was worth it. The Lakers won a championship. God damn it. And it was fun. And I think they can do it again. They just need to get it together this summer. Really, really, really badly. Um, and as, as we talked about at length last week, like the, there is a mutual benefit in them trying to get this together next season because I'm sure LeBron wants to win another championship. I'm sure LeBron doesn't like – the most peaceful season of LeBron James' career was the 2019-20 season where there was like no reports of dysfunction. There was this rift between LeBron James, Frank Vogel, Clutch, 
the the front office did not exist in 2019-20 season because they hit the ground running. LeBron didn't have to deal with any of this because they were winning basketball games. If they figure it out this summer, LeBron goes back to being top dog in L.A. again. Lakers are good again, potentially win another championship. And then whichever team drafts Bronny, you'll play there in a few years. That's it. It's It'll all be fine eventually. It just sucks right now. The Lakers uh, play again on Tuesday. And uh, I guess by then we'll have an idea of whether or not anything has changed. Um, I don't, I don't think so, but we'll see. I, I, uh, I can't get it as all rosy and optimistic about everything as you are right now, but I will say, do we get to take a victory lap for pretty much being spot on about this LeBron clutch Palinka beef and how we said it's much ado about nothing. And, uh, that it was as you said and it probably would actually end in lebron signing a one-year deal and he basically said maybe not the one-year deal part but he said all of that on friday uh kind of clearing the air in that regard do we get a victory lap on that absolutely and like listen i don't expect everyone to be as invested and as this as we've been since lebron got here because you and i have been covering the lakers since lebron got here but come on, it's it's there if you, if you want to look for it. Like everything LeBron James has said uh, since he's been here suggests that like he really likes it here. He likes being close to his family, and um, him and the front office had a pretty good working relationship up to this season. I I really think what it is is it's like when you when you say something that you're not sure like you're with a friend and you're not sure if what you said hurt their feelings but they haven't talked to you in a while and so (laughs) you check out you check in on them and you're like hey that was weird we should probably talk about that and then your friend's like no 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 no. it's totally fine like i should have reached out to you I was being super immature and like, we should have talked and it's like, Oh, okay. We were both in the wrong. Let's just like get through whatever this weird, where we have to like kind of walk on eggshells around each other, but we'll get back to where we need to eventually. That is where I just assumed the Lakers were up until the report came out about them clearing the air because it is kind of that awkward dynamic with them. It's like, listen, I asked you to trade for a star point guard because I wanted to play off ball. Your answer to that was Russell Westbrook, and I signed off. It didn't work out. I don't know who to blame, but I know I have some blame in it. So why don't we just, I don't know, go out and have a drink like like we used to (laughs) reminisce about the good old days. Do you think – Jeannie and Rich Paul shared. Jeannie has like a tequila brand or something, doesn't she? So does LeBron. They traded. Yeah, do you think? (laughs) Yeah, that's what they did in that meeting is they traded bottles of tequila and said, you know, it was both of our faults. We're sorry. Let's try this again in the next offseason. Think how that that's how the meeting went. And they watched um 
I don't know, some like cheesy rom com. It was <laughs> the, whatever the one with Owen Wilson and Jennifer Lopez that's out right now. That's uh, that's what they watched. Was it a double date with Jay Moore and Adele as well? <laughs> I, I, I hope so. <laughs> uh, what a what a weird double date. Look at us always finding a way to incorporate some good vibes. And that's how we'll end this. Lakers have uh, Mavericks on Tuesday. Uh, Warriors on good lord no right hold on I got they lost the, in my they have the Clippers they have the Clippers on uh, Thursday I believe on Thursday and then the Warriors on Saturday I believe so we'll we'll get back at you on Sunday they don't play but we'll have we're the gonna be reviewing to we're gonna be reviewing winning time the first episode next Sunday. Oh, that's right. That's right. We did agree to that via text. Uh, Jacob had his people talk to my people about uh, that, recapping that episode. And uh, my people said yes, because my people is me. Um, (laughs) That'll do it for this week's show. Thank you, as always, for listening. And we'll uh, catch you next time.